Hello and welcome to Messages at BBC. In these messages, you'll hear from professors, staff, guest speakers, as well as students. These messages were spoken and recorded on campus at Boise Bible College. If you'd like to check out Boise Bible College, please see our website at boisebible.edu. Alienation. What an odd and harrowing topic. But it's not so odd for us, is it? We feel it every day. That hollow, estranged, separated, disjointed feeling. Separated from God. Separated from each other. Sometimes even separated from ourselves. This is a true story of alienation. It's a reality that we all live in every single day. And the story that we're going to explore this weekend has a really good ending. Even though in the midst of life it feels horrible. Tonight we're going to explore what life was like before we were alienated. Tomorrow morning we're going to explore how alienation came to be. Tomorrow evening, we're going to see what it feels like to walk alienated. But Saturday morning, we get to experience salvation from alienation. So, my job this weekend is to narrate, and your job this weekend is to imagine, to use those brilliant noggins of yours and your mind's eye to picture every detail that I'm going to narrate for you. Okay, so let's begin. First, I want you to imagine being not in time. Not on time, not being in the reality of time. Pretend for a moment that you don't exist in time. Maybe you need to imagine a boundless white train station or outer space or limitless green pastures. Just pick a place that makes you feel like Time doesn't exist. Because that's where our story begins. Before the beginning of time, in the eternal realm. Are we there? Can you picture it? Before the physical universe existed, God exists. And he is far from being alone in some weird Wallace room. He is in heaven an eternal place of immaculate beauty that feels a lot like ours in its splendor, but has absolute peace and unity with God. And he's not alone because he's surrounded by angels, armies of created beings who worship and serve him. But he also exists in a very special relationship. His name is Yahweh. I am who I am. And he is three, and he is one. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and in an eternal, limitless, unbounded, unconditional love. That is his relationship. You're used to love being feel-goodery. That's what we're used to. We're used to loving pizza, and loving our girlfriends, and loving our parents, and loving our, our sports, and our hobbies. But this God love, 
This essence of who Yahweh is, is infinitely more profound than any happy, romantic, friendly, or cute affection that we are all used to. Yahweh's love is massive. Yahweh's love is patient. Never running out, never giving up, it is gentle and kind and generous, but it is tough because it strives for the best and it wants the best. But it's respectful. It'll never force itself on you and yet it pursues you and it never stops pursuing you. And it's honorable. It will never shame you and Yahweh's love will never alienate you. Yahweh's love does not hog all the glory for itself. It is slow to anger. It joyfully celebrates honesty and righteousness and goodness and all of the happy things that we enjoy as humans. And yet it is safe because it's the love of the God of the universe. It never runs out and it never gives up even when you spit on it. He will never stop loving because it is who he is. Yahweh's love is eternal. It's timeless. This love is his essence, and it is out of this God love that he decides to create. So he pulls out a black 3D canvas, kind of like we're in right now, and the first thing he does is turn on the lights. And out of his mouth come galaxies. He illuminates the expanse of the universe by crumpling up balls of gas into light and sprinkling them across the universe, creating trillions of stars. And then he separates light from darkness, makes the sun and the moon and all the planets and sets them spinning and orbiting, trillions of them, galaxies that we will never be able to count. And this is how he creates time. And you know what he says? Oh, this is a good start. But we can't stop here. So he decides to focus his attention on one little planet called Earth. And at this time, Earth has no form. So he says, land and atmospheres and oceans And the earth rumbles, and it quakes, and like a hand-gripping fabric, earth shoots up into mountains and gashes downward into valleys, into canyons. And the gases around the surface of the globe start to quarantine into nitrogen and oxygen, into ozone layers. And clouds begin to billow and grow heavy as rain gushes from them, filling the canyons into oceans, all by the word of his mouth. And Yahweh binds this all together with math and science to bring order to the universe. And he says, it is so good. It is so good, but he can't stop. He's having too much fun. Plants, sea creatures, dinosaurs, insects, mammals, you name it. And all of a sudden, before your very eyes, earth sprouts greenery. Grasses and trees and animals of all kinds, they start clicking, they start squawking, they start splashing, and all of a sudden, there's so much diversity of life around the planet Earth, male and female, and God says, 
Say it with me. It is good. It is so good. But he realizes, as he looks around, it is so much goodness. See, you and me, we get a little sick and tired of the same thing over and over and over again. Have you realized that? Oh, yeah. But remember when you were kids, you'd watch the same movie like over and over and over and over and over again? And you say, I want to play it again, I want to play it again, I want to play it again. See, we've grown old. We've grown up. And growing old in our crotchetiness, we don't take joy in the repetitive things anymore. But Yahweh, you know what he loves? He loves when beauty repeats itself over and over and over again. He delights in telling the universe to orbit again. He tells, he loves to tell the sun to rise again. He loves to tell the flowers to bloom again. Do it again, do it again, do it again. Because it is so good and he never grows weary and he never grows old. That is who Yahweh is. And his love is just like that. It never grows weary and it never grows old. Yahweh's love desires to love and to be loved. So as he gazes across this creation, he starts to realize something. It's all great and good, but could a fish ever understand him? Could a tree ever love him in return? I mean, Yahweh's love desires to love and be loved. Right? So he starts to realize, I need to create something special that I can have a personal relationship with. He decides to create a very special creation in his own likeness. A creation that can love and be loved in return a creation that could communicate, a creation that could understand and could delight, a creation that would never grow weary and never grow old, just like him, a creation that would have joy in Yahweh, just as Yahweh has joy in it. So, he needs a location for this new creation. He decides to pick a luscious landscape where four rivers converge called Eden. And there's so much fruit and vegetable and vegetation, more than you've ever seen in any produce store. It is so abundantly rich, this place. And there's hosts of animals that live there, all in peace. There's no predator. There's no prey. There's no bloodshed. It is perfect utopia. And the sapphire sky stretches so high and so vast, there's not a threat of storm anywhere. And the temperature of the air is so perfect that you could live naked and feel like you're in your pajamas. It is the perfect place. This Eden is filled with the music of songbirds that sing in harmony with one another. So Yahweh decides to get to work on creating this very special creation that can live in this very beautiful place. So he realizes, though, that this special creature can't be merely spoken into existence like everything else. It's too special for that. So he decides to kneel down into the dirt. He starts grabbing mud. And he starts grabbing clay. And he starts working it together. 
And he starts forming bones and muscles and sinews. And he starts pressing in facial features into this lifeless clay creature. And the finishing touch is that Yahweh inhales and breathes his life and his spirit into this creation. And then a heart beats. And then bones calcify and flesh covers and eyes open as Adam, the first man, <gasps> gasps awake into life for the very first time. And Adam looks at himself, a fully grown man, but completely an infant in mind. He has hands. What is this stuff around him? Oh, it's grass. Like, who are you? I'm Yahweh. Oh, my, wow, you're amazing. Thank you. So are you. Like, there's this instant relationship there. And he, Adam takes it all in, he being alive. And Yahweh comes along and he helps Adam to his never used feet before. And I can imagine Adam kind of, you know, is trying to get up on his feet like a little toddler would. Maybe he falls down and Yahweh helps him up. And he's like, it's okay, try it again. And Adam says, again. He's like, yes, that's it. So Yahweh himself teaches Adam to walk and to talk and to play and to work and to think and to enjoy and to love. And Adam has the gift of never growing weary and never growing old. And Yahweh tells him, Adam, I want you to enjoy Eden. Everything about it is yours. Enjoy it to its full. And so Adam, like a kid on Christmas time, goes, yippee! And he just runs around and explores Eden and plays with the animals. And he's so excited to be alive. And over time, Yahweh realizes something is not good. For the first time, something is not good. Adam is alone. And Adam doesn't even know it. He's having too much fun, enjoying his life, peaceful, beautiful, no alienation in sight. And yet Yahweh knows Adam needs companionship. There's no other person like him. He's utterly alone. And so Yahweh decides to make Adam a very special companion. Not a cliche. He's not going to speak this creation into existence, nor is he going to make him out of make her out of dirt. She's special. And Yahweh loves diversity, so he's got to really spice it up. So at night, he sends Adam to bed, and Adam goes to sleep. And he decides to make Adam's companion out of an extra special substance, Adam himself. And so while Adam sleeps, Yahweh comes to his side, wounds his torso, breaks out a rib, heals it back up, and with a bloody rib in his hand, Yahweh starts fashioning something really special. And when Adam wakes up, he sees standing before him the most beautiful creature he's ever seen in his whole life. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. I'm going to call you woman because you're awesome. I've never seen anything like you before. And wow, for the first time, I'm not alone. There's someone like me, but she's not a copy of me. Wow, Yahweh, thank you for this gift. Thank you. Eve is her name, and, and she's distinctly her own being with her own mind and her own body and her own soul. And though she is like Adam in feature, 
or in nature, she's different from him in feature. She's made in the likeness of Yahweh, just like Adam is. And so Yahweh delights in both of them. He says, cherish each other, love each other, and delight in each other. And they do. How can they not? It's paradise. It's beautiful. And they have this, for the first time in history, two people were actually made for each other. (laughs) It's the only time in history that's ever happened. How could it not be awesome? And these two naked, infantile adults just gaze at each other like, (laughs) wow, this is so special. And they know each other in the most intimate way that only two people can. They are one mind and one body and one spirit. No loneliness and no alienation. Perfect. So Adam and Eve and Yahweh, they all joy enjoy life together. They enjoy this marriage together. And Yahweh just delights in watching his creation just enjoy life like he, decided, he, de- he designed it to be. And they get to love Yahweh in return. And he gets to love them. And it's exactly what Yahweh wanted. And he tells them, enjoy life. Work and play and take care of the garden and do everything I need you to do. It's going to be blissful and wonderful. I imagine just a day in the life, Eve, the epitome of beauty, just is working on maybe making a mattress. I mean, we all need mattresses, right? So she's like weaving together long strands of grass. Let's say it's grass. And she's making this beautiful, wonderful, comfy mattress. And over here, Adam's like digging around in the dirt and planting flowers. And Yahweh has to get involved in this, right? So he goes out and he finds the best leaves for Eve's mattress. And he goes over to Adam and he gets down in the dirt and he starts planting flowers with him. And it's just the perfect time. And they engage in the most beautiful conversations about life and the universe and how this all came to be. And I know that Yahweh just told the best jokes because that's who he is. Right? And their laughter harmonizes with the songbirds. It's perfect. Yahweh gives them no rules except for one. And he says, please, the only rule is don't eat from the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It will poison you. It will kill you. But other than that, fair game. Everything's on off limits, or everything is on limits, and enjoy it all. So as twilight creeps across the atmosphere, Adam and Eve, they jump into the river, clean off after a hard day's work, enjoy the purest of lovemaking, and go to sleep. Yahweh created our ancestral parents, Adam and Eve, in his own likeness to love and to be loved in return. It's no wonder that we write love songs and love stories. We're obsessed with it because it's our way of getting back to Eden. It's our way of trying to get back to paradise. It's our way of trying to get reconnected with God. And this beautiful place, this beautiful relationship was life before alienation. Thank you for listening today. Boise Bible College exists to raise up leaders for the church, where we value scholarship, humility, innovation, and community. For more information about Boise Bible College, please see boisebible.edu.